The Wheel of Time turns and podcasts come and go. Welcome back to Wattcast, a Wheel of Time book and watch club. We are reading through Robert Jordan's epic fantasy series and eventually watching Amazon's Wheel of Time TV show again. I'm Caleb Wimble and with me are Keely Frank and Nick Wicks. Hello, everyone. As always, you can find us at Wattcast.net and support the show at patreon.com slash Wattcast. Your support means a lot, even at the $2 to Rivers tier. Join at $5 in the Tar Valentine and you get access to special bonus episodes where we talk with special guests about mostly other fantasy and sci-fi series and films. Email us questions, comments, and corrections via contact at wattcast.net with the subject line question. We'll answer them here on the show. And since today we're starting with book four of the series, The Shadow Rising, in chapters one to ten, now is a great time to get in your burning questions or comments about the book if you want to hear them covered by the end of this season of our show. As for when we can expect the next season, season two of Amazon Prime's Wheel of Time TV show, uh, it seems like nobody really knows. Fans and media outlets were speculating November 2022 was most likely, and people were thinking it was going to be obviously not airing at the same time of Rings of Power um, and waiting for that to wrap up. But it seems like it's going to be a bigger gap because other than that teaser the other month, there's been basically nothing from Amazon as far as I know, no official word. So at this point, it's possible it might not premiere till after the holidays, in which case we'll probably get through <laughs> book four before then, which could be good given the show's penchant for jumping very far ahead in timeline. And, and we'll be we'll be well equipped with some major developments in the shadow rising. Hi, folks. This is Caleb of the Future checking back into this cast. We recorded a long while ago, but you are just hearing now for the first time to let you know that there is a date for the Amazon TV series premiere now. Since we recorded, it has been announced for September 1st, 2023. Finally, we will get season two of The Wheel of Time. And of course, you will have me and Dan and Keely and Nick chiming in to let you know our thoughts on the show as it airs. We'll be keeping a much more active recording schedule while the show is going than we do with the books. And that's your update from the future. Enjoy the rest of this episode. Back to the past. So what happens in the first 10 chapters of The Shadow Rising? Well, for one thing, we don't get a prologue. We get a chapter one that's basically a prologue <laughs> instead. Uh, a little bit of rebranding here. We're in which Min arrives in Tarvalin, sees all sorts of visions of an upcoming disaster, delivers Moraine's message to Swan Sanche, and uh, Swan sort of uh, convinces slash bullies Min into staying into Tarvalin in disguise, quote-unquote, as El Mandreda. Um, uh, some interesting things going on with uh, the sort of enforced gender performance uh, that Min is being asked to do here, her discomfort with it, and sort of the ongoing joke uh, that is made about it. Um, we'll see where that goes, if anywhere. Elida realizes that something is going on, and and um, I forget because it's been uh, over a week since I've read this, whether she, um, whether she knows exactly Min's up to. She certainly doesn't know what is going on with Swan, Sanche, and Rand, and 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 the uh, the conspiracy between at this point Swan, Moraine, and Varen, basically to keep this a secret and to try and control the Dragon Reborn from afar. But Elida knows they're up to something. Meanwhile, White Cloak, Dane, Bornhold, and Ordaith, whom we know to be the partially fused soul of Mordeth from Shadow Logarth with Padden Fane, the peddler who was a dark friend whose mind was sort of broken by the Dark One and brought the Trollocs and Fades to the Two Rivers. Um, they're arriving in the Two Rivers again, led by Ordith slash Padden Fane, you know, hunting down 
um, the Two Rivers Gang, and High Lady Suroth, uh, who is the de facto leader now of all the Shanchan forces on the continent, their scattered remnants. She interrogates the former Aes Sedai Pura. A lot happens in the following chapters. Mostly we're going to be in the Stone of Tear and everybody adjusting to the new political situation with Ran, the dragon reborn in charge of Tear, the discomfort of the lords with that. Matt is gambling with the high lords who are um, all sort of kissing up to the dragon reborn, but clearly uh, like hoping for any return to the status quo. Uh, while at the same time they're trying to curry favor and they and they want Rand to come down on the populace in a way that Rand is doing the opposite and sort of, you know, wanting to remove onerous taxes from the farmers and all this stuff. Uh, long story short, there's an outbreak of supernatural horrors attacking our Taveran characters in, in the Stone of Tears. So Matt gets attacked by cards coming to life. Rand gets attacked by these fragmented mirror versions of himself. And Perrin gets attacked uh, along with Fael by, I be- it's his, his axe basically becomes animate, if I remember correctly. It takes a life of its own and goes um, flying all around the room. It's very, um, it's, uh, yeah, they're, they're sort of like uh, more, more like horror fantasy passages. They felt, I, I hate to say it, they felt very Stephen Kingy to me in terms of like, you know, what if a, what if a toaster tried to kill you or like, you know, like, like that classic sort of Stephen King just thinks of some inanimate object and tries to twist it into the most uh, horrifying animate thing he can. Like, what if this laundry press machine was possessed by a demon, like, like that sort of thing. And a way that I thought was, was pretty effective, but we'll see what it, how that landed for everybody here. These bubbles of evil, I think Moraine calls them. Um, and it's unclear at this point, uh, initially the characters think that this is Rand warping the pattern around him. And then they think that it is these random bubbles of evil related to something about the dark one's prison. And then I think we sort of land on with Moraine and, and something that Lanfear says that this is maybe the other forsaken uh, launching their attacks on, on uh, the Taveran here in the stone, but we don't know which one. So we don't really know who's plotting. Oh yeah. And speaking of Lanfear reveals herself, her Selene, um, persona to Rand, who is still not put two and two together at this point, but uh, but she she connects all the dots and drops the disguise and takes on her her ageless uh, aspect. And um, meanwhile, Rand is attacked by a gray man sent by an, one of the soulless, sent by another of the Forsaken, uh, which um, Selene is slash Landfear is not happy with. She's still very much in. She wants to recruit Rand uh, back to her camp, you know, her her ex-lover in another life, uh, Luz Theron, and wants together to overthrow the other Forsaken and the Dark One with him. And, you know, rule alongside me. We, we don't need any of these other chumps. We can we can we can uh, take the Dark Lord's power uh, for our own. And uh, yeah, then Trollocs attack the Stone of Tear. Um they they get their way in on grain ships in disguise, which seems like really poor security for the, the stone that will never fall, this impregnable fortress that has now been invaded twice in the past month or however many weeks that we've been here. Um, Rand seizes Kalandur and they're all and all the all our characters are fighting back the slaughter, the invasion of this Trolloc army into the stone, lots of innocent bystanders and servants dying. Um Finally, Rand gets really pissed off and unleashes his anger into Kalimdor and somehow summons this vortex of destruction. It is kind of abstractly described, and we get this idea of this mass that is neither physical nor solid, some sort of cloud with black lightning that just 
murders every uh, Trolloc and Fade throughout the entire stone and is like traveling around and he almost loses control and he tries to bring a dead child back to life, like tried to animate her body and uh, he's getting carried away with it and the and the taint of Onsighting is just washing over him and Moraine conv- like sort of talks him down calmly into convincing that he can't heal death, that that's something no one is capable of except the creator. Um, according to Moraine, anyway, we'll we'll see how we'll see how true that is, given a lot of her other speculations on what is and isn't possible with the one power. Uh, so I, I, I elided a lot of details here. A lot happens in these first ten chapters. One thing we'll probably talk about that I did not get into is a, a lot of the uh, the teenage romance drama, if you could if you could call it that, unfolding in the course of this with uh, Egwene finally giving giving Rand the uh, the release from the betrothal and both of them being like deli- both of them have been like holding back the bad news that hey I don't actually love you and I don't think we should be together and uh, and they both del- sort of deliver that to each other with Egwene breaking the seal on on that conversation and both of them going away a little sad a little relieved and a little hurt to find out in Rand's case that they weren't actually in in love but um and then um, which is immediately opening for Elaine to make her move and for everybody to do um a bit of uh slut shaming about um um the first of Mayeen I'm uh, whose name I am <laughs> I am Barrelane, yes, thank you, thank you, Nick. Um, who, who also like, like she proposes, uh, just like sex with Rand earlier in in the in the these chapters, and makes clear that they're not very official about this sort of thing in Mayin, and they don't really attach like a whole ton of political importance to it. But he sort of scares her off with, uh, with the fighting off of when when his mirror beings come into reality and try to kill them both and uh and she sort of nopes out at the end of all that and like yeah this is not something i really want to get tangled up then but that doesn't stop uh, a lot of other people throughout these chapters from <laughs> from speaking very disparagingly of how how dare how dare she try to uh have sex with this um by his own um admonition single guy or at first he says that but then he says he's promised to Egwene, but he's not actually i don't know we'll we'll get into that um and uh, some of the other little character dramas, like Matt sort of trying to figure out if he's going to stay or he's going to go, and and Tom's spy network, and uh, and yeah, Barrelane wanting, or not Barrelane, Fael really wanting to get out of here, and Barrelane fe- feeling tied to Rand to some degree. Uh, you just, okay. you just uh, imputed Barrelane, which was, which was great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That, that's... I think you, the, the hawk and the falcon is coming through for you. Mm-hmm. You're, you're on you're apparently on the uh the hawk side right now that is definitely some shipping term somebody has come up with right um it has to have been i'm i'm hesitant to look too deeply in into that fandom though yeah i don't know what, what, what do we think of the beginning of the shadow rising here with a very very long chapter one and then gradually more clip chapters going into them as it starts to pick up pace in the action uh do, do you want to start us off keely your uh your opening opening thoughts on the section of the book yeah uh so i was excited to be back into it and then immediately just like oh my fucking god come on um so i'm bummed that there's nothing from loyal yet that that's pretty Mm. annoying it feels like they've been going through and saying like okay here's a section from this person's perspective and this person this person this person but nothing from loyal so i'm pretty bummed about that um yeah all of the like weird sexual crap and like oh my god i love him so much and i don't even know him but i fucking love him i hate it i hate Mm. it all so much (laughs) 
none of you deserve any of my attention like when it comes to this like i just don't buy it like i don't feel like any of these characters have done enough to make me feel like they deserve the relationship with each other um and because it reads so much younger for the mm-hmm. for like some of these sections it feels really gross like the the whole like was there a bear lane or something going to rand and just like taking her clothes off basically like that made me so uncomfortable because i was like if that was flipped and that was like a dude mm. doing that to one of the girls i would be losing my shit like that made me so uncomfortable i hated that um and of course i mean how many times are they gonna say if only you know matt was here if only rand was here they know more yeah, about yeah. you fucking know anything <laughs> Um, so, I mean, that's really frustrating. I did enjoy the fact, though, that we're getting more of Min just, like, saying what all the images are that she's seeing over people, mm. um, and how much more, like, violent it seems. Like, I'm, I'm enjoying the violence <laughs> and not <laughs> enjoying all of the, like, relationship part. So, I think they're kind of, like, building on each other. The more annoyed I get at the relationship part, the more I enjoy the violence. Um, Min sees, um a lot of things but like one of the things she sees right is three ice three ice die she passes that are going to die on the same day uh yeah suggesting some imminent violence coming to the tower in particular right yeah and that i didn't i didn't really get a lot from from these chapters of them knowing things and not immediately telling each other um where that kind of happens a lot in the other books where it's like mm. you know you guys just had a fucking conversation like 50 percent of this book wouldn't need to happen um so i did like that min is kind of just being more upfront with that the swan, um, swan is like oh everyone's gonna die i'm not really worried about that right now let's uh let's, <laughs> let's move on to something else <laughs> Yeah, and I I liked um I still love the Matt and Tom dynamic. Like I hope mm-hmm. that they stay together. It wasn't too, are we just supposed to think right now that Tom is just getting back involved in politics because of some kind of letter he was writing? Is that kind of just like what we're supposed to get from that? I think he's like so finding his own way to support Rand, you know, and okay. that that's so he's sort of like getting involved back involved in like the house, what do they call it? Uh it's like the house of cards or something. The game of houses. Like, yeah, game yeah, of houses. That, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because he is he is um spying as a gleeman now, right? And and giving direct reports to Matt and to into Rand, right? Is he giving he is giving Rand um direct spy reports on on the things he overhears, right? In the performances and in the tavern type areas, if I'm not mistaken. Because at one point he he plants some like evidence against one of the High Lord's wives and the and yeah. Rand makes an observation that he uh, he noticed that the two weren't looking at each other just like he expected, you know, alluding to mm-hmm. a report from Tom. Um, the, I don't totally understand the, the like red doorway. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a Terangrial or something. Yeah. Um, so they introduced that and then I immediately got frustrated with Egwene because she loves to be like, oh, Matt never changes. Matt, Matt, Matt. And then she immediately fucking told him about yeah. it. Like, <laughs> you motherfucker, do you think of all these oh. characters? Matt is not going to go walk straight fucking through it. Like, she's like, but don't you do it. Like, come on, man. Yeah. It's so it's uh, and uh, she, I think she immediately knows that it's a bad idea because she's like, here's this magical doorway that may be the one thing that can solve all your problems and give you the answers that you need. Uh, uh, well, actually, well, I OK, but also maybe we shouldn't do anything. Um, yeah. Which... And I love like it was it was literally <laughs> at that point where she was like, well, Matt never changes. And I was like, neither do you. <laughs> like, yeah. You have had no character growth when it comes to these guys. Um, so... also, like, that, that scene was funny because they were also like. 
oh, there's a magic door that gives us three truths, like absolute truths of past, present, and future. Let's figure out which one of these bitches is lying. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that's what you'd waste like your three unique like wishes on is figuring out which one of them is lying. Yeah. Um, and then I just had a clarifying question. How many Forsaken are there? Do we know? Left. There there are thirteen total. Oh, there's 13 total. Okay. I think um, we figured there are nine left. I'm not 100%. We said in the last main mainline episode, <laughs> so our listeners will hopefully know. Um, I, but maybe- yeah, I was writing down their names. I thought that uh, Lanfear was the only female one, but there's at least one other female one. I think it's an equal number of each. Um, well, it? other Well, it's 13, so I think it's um, six women and seven men, if I remember correctly, because I think... Um, Balzaman slash uh, Ishamayal was the, you know, the the sort of 13th and leader of, of them, kind of. Okay. Yeah, because, like, in Chapter 9, they just kind of, like, list them out. Mm. Um, and they that's when they say there's potentially two items or weapons more powerful than Kalendor. Mm-hmm. And then they reference one of the other female ones. I was like, oh, okay. I thought they we really only ever talked about Lanfear. Is she supposed to be, like, the OG, like, the most powerful one? That's kind of how she was talked up last book as okay. uh, potentially riv- rivaling Luz Theron's power at some point. Um and Ishamael, she considered, she, like, like Ishamael considered himself the most powerful Forsaken and was generally seen as that. But then there were people, I think it was Moraine saying that uh, Lanfear might have actually been stronger in some ways or, or had, like, you know, um, had a lot of her own tricks up her sleeves, I guess. Okay. Yeah, overall, kind of meh introduction <laughs> with these first 10 chapters where I don't really know where they're going to go with a lot of the characters. Um, but if they all just stop talking to each other, that would be great. <laughs> but still sharing important information. Right? Yeah, like share important info, but <laughs> yeah, shut yeah. the fuck up about how everyone loves everyone else. Like, stop it. No one cares. <laughs> what about you, Nick? What are, what are your bit high-level takeaways here? I... I, lo- I loved these 10 chapters. They were like classic Wheel of Time for me because it's so uh, cringy yet enjoyable at the same time. <laughs> it's like and and the more you just have to like lean into the cringiness of Robert Jordan. And I feel like one thing I've been noticing uh, as again, this is my second time around the series uh, is just like how much of sort of like um I don't know, like a neck beard this dude is from like the eighties and nineties. Like he's just so you know, I know I've we've talked before about like the the mentions of uh of breasts, like the word breast and all the its synonyms a million times, but then also um there was like a passage oh my stupid uh e-reader just went to sleep as soon as i said that and i had my passages pulled up. Uh there's a passage where he he was like, um where did this happen? He said uh okay so there's a passage where min and gawain are together and min is like or min is wearing you know wearing the the stereotypically female clothes like the dress she's got her hair or or i think Mm -hmm. she has makeup on at that point or something and and gawain is like you ought to wear dresses more often it's so pretty on you remember i will be there till sunset like shit like that that just like pops up throughout the 10 chapters uh is you know cringy but also it's just classic jordan um it's funny so so yeah that was uh one of my takeaways i think the um the i said i one thing i noticed this time around too is like they're always talking about the pattern and how taverin can 
like affect they're like the only ones who can willingly affect the pattern and like they like rearranges itself somewhere around around them and yet they're always trying to change the pattern <laughs> i'm like I, i'm like yo you guys are like hundreds of years old in a lot of these cases and you like some of you do nothing but read shit and like you know you're supposed to be super smart and all worldly and and stuff and they are you know it's just so bizarre that they are are, are there's like that uh you know disconnect in, in their heads where where they're trying to control rand and control the pattern but that they're also saying that rand is like the biggest taverin of all time and like there's no way anyone could control yeah. him well i think they're they're they are trying to make a distinction uh i don't know how successful it always is but a distinction between changing the pattern and uh and and, and sort of working within it to direct events in a certain way uh, or to affect outcomes. And it is never it is never clear where those boundaries are, I think, other than the idea that there are prophecies that have to be fulfilled in some way and will be. But you can kind of do things to change when they happen or how they happen or, or the shape uh, that some of them take. That That's kind of what I take to be. Moraine's belief in all in all this, and there and there are like these forks in the pattern. I think they I forget if that's the term they use, but where things can go one way or another because it's in these chapters, right? We learn that um, is it Swan or Moraine who's talking about the fact that there's nothing there, even though there are all these prophecies of the dragon, there's nothing preordained about Rand winning. Like it can go either way. He can die, and uh, and the Dark One can win and break the wheel, and all of time can change forever. Or it can go uh, along the main route. So there, there does seem to be like there, there there's ways to shift um, down these other branches in the path of what of what is what comes out of the wheel of time, like whatever is woven and threads can be cut in some way. But you're kind of fighting against the current if you try to if you ever try to get out of those pathways, and only Taviran can sort of warp the. I didn't I don't know. It's very it's very ambiguous, but I do think they're trying yeah. to draw a distinction there. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I think, I think the, the 10 chapters, a lot in these 10 chapters too. I feel like there's, I, I just finished the 10th, like an hour before this call. Uh, <laughs> and there are, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, one of the things that stupidly stood out in my head is really funny though. And kind of made me laugh out loud was when Rand is, uh, you know, torn apart after the, like the mirror scene and land and uh, what is it? Land and Ruark like walk in and lands. Like, I thought you were old enough to shave yourself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so just, it's, it's a rand uh, with all like the mirrors and stuff around. And he and Ruark had a nice little laugh at that. Um, one of the other things I enjoyed uh, is, is going, going back and seeing all the prophecies now that I know what happens mm. and like seeing how, how it's actually playing out is so satisfying it's like it's like going back in like a video game and like knowing where all the secrets are and just and not having to like wonder um it's like that same feeling of oh i know what that prophecy is talking about now uh so that's a, a an enjoyable thing yeah, um yeah. as well and then and then the dark ones like fart bubbles that have like stuff coming up and you know all the evil popping out everywhere are are a fun theme and, and it's kind of kicks itself off in this book. So that's fun. Um, the one thing I actually didn't even realize or understand this, the second read around, I remember being confused. The first read is the two sides of Trollocs that are in chapter 10, um, where all like that fighting goes down in the stone. I don't know 
I mean, I know they don't they don't reveal now, but it's Lanfear denies it's her. But I don't ever remember if there was a resolution to like how those mm. two sets of Trollocs got there uh, at the exact same time. Um, that was one thing I don't recall. And then and then I agree with uh, with Keely. The romance stuff is is it's hard to get through, I think, in the book for me uh, because it's just so predictable uh, and um, not unique, you know, and, and just very tropey. Um, and, and I feel like he tries to balance. He try he tries to make he tries to make it so that it's clear he knows that they're juvenile because um, mm-hmm. that he but but then he also tries to balance it with like silliness and showing the ju- juvenileness of each side so like the men yeah like like he said you know they're always like oh if matt was here whatever and then the women are always like oh well you know i the the men can't be controlled and like all these kind of like cliche things um for me is, is a little bit hard to get through as well and and i don't i think it's like clearly lampshading both of you pointed to this like elaine even says aloud or or not aloud it, it maybe she does but at least thinks like well, I have no good reason to be in love with Rand. We've only talked a few times. We've had no substantial conversations, and uh, I can't even really articulate what's attractive about him. But gosh darn it, I'm in love with him uh, I know. In, in a way that is just like, <laughs> I, I feel like the book knows, probably Jordan knows, that it is just entirely forced and there hasn't been this groundwork laid. So, but it's just kind of rolling it as this, you know, well, pro- like the the pattern decrees. Uh, these two uh, men, men has had visions about this, so it's got to come into being that, that you're one of one of the three women who will love Rand, herself included. So, and it, it's this real forced, self fulfilling prophecy. And yeah, I agree. And on, on the cringe thing, for me, it's a lot like um, did Dan compare it at some point? I'm pretty sure he did to the experience of watching almost any shonen anime show uh, of ju- which are uh, for any listeners who don't know. There, there's a, a the most popular genre of anime is shonen, which which just means like young or adolescent boy in Japanese, and, and it's like. Um, this whole, it, it's basically a genre of adventure and fantasy uh, manga and, and anime TV shows where you've got these um, usually preteen or teenage um, protagonists who ha- like go on grand adventures with, uh, uh, you know, like um, like recurring villains and who have fantastical powers or technology in a way that is a lot like the way that the Wheel of Time is structured. You know, it's sort of like, um, like hero, hero fantasy, hero sci-fi of a sort. And it's, I felt all, almost across the board the same experience of the 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 way that it depicts romance and relationships and gender dynamics that are just generally insufferable in a lot of shows. But I'm watching through it for like the big emotional, um, the big emotional uh, uh, like uh, like battles essentially, and, and these larger than life ways of characters facing off against one another, usually in violent conflicts. Most. Most shonen is very violent, and I think that's the thing that works best in Wheel of Time uh, uh, right now uh, for me. The a lot of the world building and the politics there, uh, I like, but um, in these chapters, I will say it is it is the horror and the violence and the larger than life quality that comes through for me. I think that was a lot of what I highlighted. Like, um, like I really like the. Uh, uh, the uh when matt is grabbing the card and the little figure on the playing card i forget if it's the the joker equivalent or what or the jester or or the jack uh that and, a, and it becomes like an image of matt right or is this rand where it's an image of himself no this is the rand one sorry because the same a similar thing happens with matt with the queen on the card like reaching out 
stabbing yep. stabbing through the thing, which is great. I love that image. But the Rand one is even better where this tiny little mirror on the table, an image of himself no more than six inches tall, drew back its small sword. Instinctively, he grabbed the figure before it could stab again. It writhed in its grip, bearing teeth at him. And it's just like picturing this tiny little mirror version of himself but like stab uh, stabbing with this little miniature razor sharp uh sword this little version of um of the the power fire sword that he has at this point and they come out at the different sizes i'm a real sucker for that stuff i really enjoyed these passages and i think the extent to which this is leaning into being uh you know like like action movie trope things i think i'm not 100% but i think there's a predator reference in here uh where <laughs> Rand is thinking, um, can anything kill them? And all three bled from the wounds he had managed to inflict, but bleeding did not seem to slow them as he knew it was slowing him. They tried to avoid a sword, but did not appear to realize they'd been hurt. If they had been, he thought grimly, light, if they can bleed, they can be hurt. They must, which I think that's like, it's so close to the, if, if it bleeds, we can kill it. Predator bit of which that I'm wondering if uh, that was fresh on Jordan's mind, because that came out only a few years before before this was published. So maybe around the time he was um, uh, getting into early wheel of time writing. So it, it seems possible in my, in, in my head canon. Yeah. Um, and what else? Did I have anything that I really wanted to draw from these? Um, I do, I do like uh, the dynamic of the high Lords uh, really just not understanding the extent of the world changing nature of the situation and what what the dragon reborn is going to mean what rand is going to mean for tear and they're kind of doing their regular schmoozy thing and they think that matt has an in with the dragon so they're all trying to like get him to agree to their policy prescriptions and uh, you know crack down on these unruly peasants and oh you know talk the talk the dragon out of this ridiculous idea he has about um about you know like uh farm taxes and tariffs and produ and producing enough grain to have a surplus for the ongoing wars and the apocalypse that's about to come and, and, and he's like <laughs> at the, at the, when they're playing at the table and he's uh one of the lords is like yeah and, and matt kind of sarcastically says uh something like yeah what you know these things are ridiculous how could someone take you to, to the magistrate for like screwing a fisherman wife or something and they were all like yeah yeah <laughs> that's that's fucked up like i should be able to just do that whenever i want yeah and matt and matt basically just casually dropping no i think he's probably serious about uh, about all of this and the death penalty uh which none of them take seriously until rant has to uh like directly threat but, but he basically gives them an ultimatum where if they don't deliver the orders that he's given the, the reason said of them he's gonna start <laughs> he's gonna start killing one a day or something like that uh executing them in the public square um since apparently no one is taking this very seriously uh did not highlight that, that like death. rand wasn't taking it seriously either um because it's like right after he has that conversation with Egwene where she's like mm -hmm. i don't fucking love you like that and he's like okay i don't love you either and then they're both like i think they're lying uh the whole time he's like oh i wonder if Egwene this i should really focus on these fucking dudes in front of me <laughs> but i wonder about Egwene. but these fucking dudes like you're True, not paying yeah. attention either <laughs> <laughs> no one is paying attention yeah he really does spend that entire like scene of thing you know the whole regional the whole region's politics the whole world hanging in the balance thinking about uh how sad he is that someone broke up with him uh that he didn't even love anyway and that he thought that and that he knew for years he was gonna have or well a year that he was gonna have to break up with um like just, just not believing each other like they couldn't but they couldn't possibly not be in love with me <laughs> like I, fucking, <laughs> oh, I hate you all but i also so 
is this something new that we learned about the Trollocs that if you kill the is it the Fade that they're attached to, then they die? I don't think it's new, but it doesn't happen very often in the mm -hmm. series. I feel like they mentioned okay. it earlier on, um, but I think as the Trollocs start to sprout out more and more, that becomes one of their like go-to. Yeah, oh, we got to kill that main Fade bro first before you know. <laughs> everyone invades okay. i wasn't sure if that was something new or not I, i'm also not sure if it was consistent before because i think there i think that's another bit of lampshading here where where it's lan or somebody brings up that oh you know they don't always attach themselves in, in that way but they do it when they need to like exert control over a whole bunch of them maybe at some distance and give them that extra you know um, like in order to run an army of Trollocs, it's it's helpful or gives them additional power and the Fade can know where they all are and what they find, which makes me suspect, but, but they don't always do that. They're clear to clarify, which makes me suspect that there were probably places earlier where that did happen and others where it didn't. And Jordan was just like codifying here what the rule is essentially or how that works, I think. Um, okay. And then the um, we had two kind of interesting things happen with uh, genders and the power where Rand, mm. we figured out that Rand can tell when a woman is channeling because like he gets goosebumps or something. And then Lanfear says that she can block yeah. the power and does from it. a man if she knows where, like how they're using it, I think is, what, is that what she said? She says something like she can, like, she doesn't have to see the weaves to be able to like cut it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because she totally cuts Randolph, like shields him from the power when she approaches, right? And then releases her shield when the Soulless attacks so that Rand can defend himself. Yeah, and so I wonder if they're going to, like, I assume that they're using that, they're introducing that now to, like, build up for, like, bigger battles. Or they'll be like, mm -hmm. ha ha, <laughs> I can block it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which seems like something our 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 uh accepted characters Egwene, elaine and nynaeve and rand really need to figure out soon how not to just be uh shielded off cut off from the power because kind of a problem uh when when you're facing off against forsaken or Black I, know, I also like it like it how like uh how rand is just leaving like the most powerful slot angriel and like the universe ever just sitting in his room all the time mm. <laughs> he's just like like I told, and there's like all these forsaken out there. Lanfear's popping up, like literally in his room, uh, and he's just like, "I'm gonna leave this, yeah. this, this, <laughs> this item, uh, just in my quarters. It'll be okay. The Aiel are guarding it." Yeah, I think it. I think it's partly because of the temptation to use it, and we're really getting the sense of like, of, you know, the having it with him. He finds it really difficult not to draw on the power even more than usual. And once he starts, it becomes very hard to stop and not to just keep mounting up to this like god complex of of feel I can I can you know what what I can I can kill the dark one right now. I can change the world. I can I can raise the dead. But yeah, leaving it in his chambers with presumably like two Aiel outside the door or or something. Um, maybe maybe we'll see something more secure now that the stone has gotten invaded again further confirming that it's nowhere near as impregnable as the past thousand years of reputation has uh led us to believe um what do you guys and, think about we don't really talk about the white cloak chapters um any thoughts on those i'm eager to see more of it i really want to get more pod and thane and i like the machinations there but it did feel like more presaging of things to come in the two rivers that it seems like they're good like they're real doing a scourging of the shot scouring of the shire thing right and uh you know they're going to crack down on is that is that their intent again to crack down on rand's home until they um 
find out everything about him and maybe draw him over here. Something that's, like that's, that. That's um that's Ordeeth slash Poddenfane slash Mordeth. Uh, that's his plan. I think the White Cloaks are off to find Perrin uh, mm-hmm. because I think Perrin killed... Uh, I always forget whether it's Bo- is Bornhall's father, I think, um, in the mm-hmm. Falm like massacre. Yeah, um, I can't find it. <laughs> which isn't even true, right? Like that it was the Shan Shan who killed him, if I'm re- yeah, remembering yeah. correctly. Yeah, yeah the White um, Cloaks were like on the same side of uh, of Rand and, and friends mm-hmm. at the time because mm-hmm. they saw the Shan Shan as the larger yeah. threat. But anyone who's not a child is a dark friend uh, to to child Bornhall. Yes. Um, and we, speaking of the gender and power dynamics, Egwene and Elaine try to, you were alluding to this, Keely, they sort of are trying to see if they can teach Rand in any way, and, and they're not very successful at first, and they're, but by the end of the session, like you said, they're able to figure out that it may be possible for, for men and women to sense each other channeling, at least in a vague way, with this this tingling thing, at least when large amounts of the power are being drawn. Um and yeah, I, I guess we'll uh, we get several references to. Oh, and and on that note, Lanfear once ran to. Uh, oh, it seems like she. Yeah, we do get a little bit of alliances that may be forming among the Forsaken because doesn't she outright say uh, that as Medean will teach one of the other Forsaken? She's she's like, um, yeah, yeah, just come, you know, just kneel kneel to the Great Lord, profess your loyalty. As Medean's going to teach you to wield the power. I'm going to help you. We're going then we're going to destroy all the others. The, the dark one's not going to care if we kill all the other forsaken and uh, rule the world for ourselves um for all time. And then like you mentioned Nick, the two great Sangriol that were made before the end, one that Rand can use, one that Landfear can, power beyond imagining. We could challenge even the great lord, the creator himself. Wahahaha. Um and then Rand says that she's insane. But uh, yeah, I think they even mentioned the name. I think they mentioned the name of the Forsaken that right doesn't doesn't she say yeah, she the does, name of yeah. the okay? So yeah, as Asmodian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that was a spoiler, but yeah, I think she mentions the name, and then um, it it comes clear in these chapters that Rand needs to be learning more than just books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know that I paid attention to this, or maybe this is like supposed to be new. But that the, at least according to what Lanfear is saying, that the Dark One wants to make him kind of like in charge of the Forsaken, like mm-hmm. make him more important than them. So I don't think I knew that. Was that something that I was supposed to know by now? I think Lanfear's hinted at it, which Baalzaman wouldn't have because we've sort of learned Baalzaman was uh, either either the Forsaken Ishamael or Ishamael like possessed by the Dark One in some way that we're still right. not really... Sure, and Shamael was the the right hand and the le- the leader of the Forsaken for the Dark One. So if it was Shamael, presumably that would be why he hadn't told Rand that you know, like potentially, like potentially, you know, you could re- you could kill and replace me, and the Dark One would be very happy about about that uh, as they're trying because Balzaman in the end of the last book stopped when he couldn't recruit Rand with the sword. He just attacks him right, and he's actually trying to kill him there but then Rand grabs Kalidor and all you know chase sequence ensues and finally um they fight and he kills Balzaman in the course of that if I'm if I oh, remember right because then he was like oh the Dark Lord's dead mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's like 15 more books bro it's not dead. yeah <laughs> um, yeah that okay there were a couple different sections there where there 
he just introduced so many characters again that I like I forgot that the white cloaks were there. And then as I was flipping through, I was like, oh, there was an Elida section. And oh, there was a yep. Lady Thuroth section. It's like, who the fuck are these people? But um, <laughs> also that whole thing with like the fight with the uh, the gray man that showed up and then uh, Rand constantly being like, I can't hurt a woman. Like, oh, my fucking oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all just kill each other. Like, I'm so tired of like, I couldn't possibly hurt a woman. Um, but that being said, I really want them to do more like necromancy. Like that's the one thing missing mm. from the shining that like, I wish that they would do more necromancy where like he lifted up. I mean, it doesn't have to be like a kid, but like <laughs> where he tried <laughs> to bring the kid back. Um, I like that, that aspect of the power with Rand of like where he can't figure out how much is too much. Mm-hmm. And like trying to play God is a little bit too much maybe, but also fucking go for it because who cares? <laughs> like Just do whatever you want to. I will say on the, uh, the keeping track of people thing and all the new names going in, I can't guarantee this, this, co- <laughs> this is caveat emptor. Um, but my impression from looking at the glossary, and I remember this from back in the day too, that looking at the glossary in this book. There are very few things that are spoilers beyond the last book. Like, like most of the glossary has not changed since Eye of the World. Most of the entries at the end of Shadow Rising are just described things the same way they did at, at, at the end of Eye of the World. Um, which is not to say that there won't be any spoilers in here anywhere, but you know, like most of the most of the new ones uh, are like Sandar, Juelin, a thief catcher from Tyr, uh, you know, and then there's just nothing more about uh, like just giving the basics on them. Um, so I think they're pretty good reminders now. And from what I the glossary things I've referenced in these ten chapters, all of it was like stuff from the last book. None of it was. Um, things that will happen in Shadow Rising. I don't know if that's universally true, but eh, it, it could be. It might be a useful resource for reminding uh, on reminding ourselves on characters that have have appeared before. Like, let me see what it says about. Um, I'll just before anybody who hasn't read looks, I'll check what it says about. Okay, so like Asmodean's not even in here. Let me and uh, let's see if I look up Selene. Selene also does not get her own entry. Hmm. I guess she's just folded into Lanfear <laughs> now at this point. Probably. Yeah. Let, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's I just remember, this. Yeah. The glossary was like really lacking. I remember when I was mm-hmm. trying to, when I was reading this the first time, I'd always jump to the glossary to try to find something. And it, either I could never find it or it was so limited that it was totally useless. And then I'd end up like reading a spoiler on Google as mm. I'm like covering like all with my hand i'm like covering all the search results just so i can like read it word by word to make sure i'm not spoiling (laughs) yeah like flipping through so lanfear has like a little bit of a longer section it says see also the forsaken Mm -hmm. but it doesn't say celine so if you like forgot that she had this other persona that would be there but then they still have a section for fucking low gain like yeah yeah that's that's why (laughs) i think that's i think it's mostly because these are the entries from like a few book a few books ago or from the dragon reborn and are not really updated for the shadow rising which you know good could be good in that it doesn't spoil or spoil the things that are going to happen but it may but it's not all it's not useful for much except like jogging memory of who characters are i think so let's see if i look up uh um patent fane uh, doesn't even have pot and vein. It has Ordaith. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in the old tongue, Wormwood, ma- name taken by a man who advises Pedro Nile. So it feels like it's trying to be more of a spoiler-free thing while not being useful for much else than jogging memory. Um, yeah, it's not going to give a lot of detailed information of things that have happened, uh, though I'm always happy to 
try and answer those based on what we know so far. Uh, any last thoughts about the Shadow Rising or uh, or you know what 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 to come in this book or what we think of these chapters so far in closing? So kind of the, the like the last thing is just that like it's weird how siloed everyone can still be hmm. uh, because of how many characters they're talking about and like how big the the world can be, but it can also be really oh, small. Yeah. Um, where you know like we've been saying like oh well they they don't the royalty either doesn't realize or doesn't care that like the world is ending. <laughs> it's like but also the people directly involved with that kind of also don't fucking care because they're worried about everyone loving everyone and breasts. And then like there's that section from Elida where it doesn't seem like she knows yet that rand is supposed to be the dragon she's just like grumpily walking through the castle like everyone fucking i hate everyone but it's so it's just weird that like there are so many different you know and then there's like the the uh sea people i can't remember who they are but so many yeah. different people are supposed to be connected but they still are like missing key details of the plot and that just feels really weird so far um but interested to see where it's going to go next um hoping that it I'll, I will enjoy it a little bit more but from what you guys have said about upcoming books and chapters, I might not, but that's okay. Um, I was going to say, I know I mentioned this before the prophecies, but did, he, you can tell he planned out a lot of this like well, well in advance. Uh, Cause a lot of the prophecies from the, t or this first 10 chapters refer to things that happened like much, much later, if I recall. Um, so that's pretty cool just to, to know how much he's sort of like plan has, he's already plotted this out uh, at least after like the first book or two. Um, or I know he was still sort of like on that trial-ish thing. Um, yeah, yeah, I think uh, we get to see more of that Aiel in these chapters, which is which is cool. Um, uh, obviously, they play a, a large role um, in the in the sacking of the Stone of Tear, and and we'll see more of them in upcoming chapters. Oh yeah, Rurar gives us um, a good bit of information we didn't mention, which is that. Although Rand may be the dragon reborn, they don't know if he's, they don't really know if he's who, who comes with the dawn until he does, completes this trial in Ruidan, right? And, and he's like, well, you know, he may, he may die and we'll find out then. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so I think, yeah, I think that's that about summarizes my thoughts. I think a really action packed 10 chapters. Um, and yes, some, some really memorable scenes there. I was trying to look forward to see um, what we have to look forward to perspective-wise. Next time, I think we're going to be starting with Egwene for a couple of chapters. Um, what Lies Hidden is a pretty enticing start, a name for Chapter 11 uh, that I'm uh, I'm curious to find out uh, where her adventures take us. Since I feel Egwene has driven so much of our knowledge of the world in the past book or two and new discoveries and new places and, and traveling into the dream world and what that means and... Um, giving us an insight into the Black Aja and ta the tower politics and the one power itself. She's the character that I am one of the ones I'm most interested in, um, both for character reasons, but partly, but also partly because she is so curious about the function of the power and trying to figure out how it works and solve these mysteries for herself of what is possible and how to get there. Um, so I'm curious to see if we get more of that in these next few chapters. Uh, and yeah, otherwise I'm, I'm interested to see if, um, cause it did, it was, you know, mixed bag, these first 10, I'm interested to see if Shadow Rising lives up to its, its fan reputation as something like most of these that I haven't read since I was a kid next week. Um, as we mentioned, we'll be reading 11 to 20 if you're reading along and we'll find out, uh, when, and then let you know when we know when the TV show is going to drop back again. Uh, Keely, where can people find you on the internet? 
on Instagram at Keely underscore Reed. Thanks for being with us, uh, Nick. Uh, and I need to come up with something this season to say uh, in lieu of in lieu of a web presence in in your not having one. <laughs> a good si- a sign off of some kind. Um, yeah, uh, I guess I'll see you guys in Redeen. <laughs> I think that's in the in the upcoming chapters. I see one of the chapter names. Oh, okay. Yeah. So maybe sooner than I expected. And remember, you can you can find us all at Wattcast.net. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Wattcast Podcast and support the show at Patreon.com slash Wattcast. You can also support us at no cost to yourself by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. This helps a lot. It's the number two way we find new listeners. The number one way is to tell a friend about the show. Word of mouth means the world to us. That's all for today. Thanks so much for listening, folks. And remember, this is not the ending. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the Wheel of Time, but this is an ending and the beginning of another book. So long. that I really wanted to I was like I don't know if that is way too reading into it for the show <laughs> but, but there's one because where they uh so you know when Elaine and Egwene are teaching him about like hey can you sense the power and all that stuff and there's like pinching of butts and all that little flirty stuff oh god yeah, yeah. She's oh my like, god so, so okay so Egwene this is uh they says she took the opportunity to flap the scarf for a little air and shared a smile a small smile with Elaine the glow faded around the daughter air they both came close to giggling as they rubbed themselves surreptitiously I hate this so much I didn't like I, I was just didn't even want to mention I it just, I was just like no, I, just, I, I blocked reason, that out the reason that clicked is because I was listening to it in the car Oh God! Uh, like it just had a different take than like reading it. Where you read those things, and you kind of just like pass over it. Yeah. But like the 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 authors are so, or the the speakers and the audible stuff are really good. And they're like, mm. and, and <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I heard that, I was like, what the fuck? I remember that shit. Yeah, it's the one disadvantage to audiobooks: uh. drawing close attention to stuff that you would prefer to skim over in uh, <laughs> in regular reading. Oh my God. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But you know what? You saying that the uh, the mirrors and the um, cards, like those section, now that you bring it up as being kind of Stephen King-ish, that is very Stephen King-ish. And I kind of hope that they will incorporate like some of these scenes into the show because like mm-hmm. in my head, they would make such good scenes for like, yeah. the oh, show. Yeah. But I mean, who the fuck knows like <laughs> what they're going to do or where they're going to go next. So. It's really cinematic. The, that those are yeah, yeah the, those are the ready-made moments. I feel like yeah, Re- especially because like the the one with Rand is right after some lady showing him her tits. So like, come on, <laughs> you gotta do that. <laughs>
I would love I to know. see see her turned it because they've done a good job with some of turning some characters that I didn't care about into significantly more fleshed out versions uh, for an unfortunate turn of phrase. I would love to see them um, give more. I feel like with the first of me, wait, is it? How do I keep forgetting? What, what is her Berlin. name? It is Berlin. Why do I keep wondering? What is yeah. Fayil's former name? Fahil. Yeah, that's why I said um, the Falcon and the Hawk is Fayil is the, she's uh, Zareen. Oh. Is it Zareen? Um, I think it's Zareen Al, or Bashar, or Al, I, I, I forget something. Oh, okay. For some, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Zareen. Okay, I don't know why. It's something about Zareen, I guess, makes me think. Berlain. Yeah, I either want Bear Lane to be a much more, much more uh, interesting, complex character who's not just fulfilling this, like, so far every scene she's shown up in is to either be um, puppeted by someone or to be throwing herself and doing, like, the temptress uh, r- r- routine yeah. Um, in, in this way, I want her to be either more than that, or they just have to like almost lean into it as a larger than life person for, um, uh, l- like g- give her give her more agency in it and and just make it big in a, like a, a more in a melodramatic kind of way. I d- I don't know. We'll we'll see what they what they do there. I do feel like we're I'm I'm hoping to care a little more about the maybe was I the only person who actually liked Rand and Egwene's um sort of farewell thing at the end of the season at the season finale or the or the second to last episode in the TV show I can't remember because I know people didn't like the or some people didn't like the um Nynaeve and Lan conversation in either form and I because it, it and but some people did like the Egwene and Rand like I I felt like it was making me believe a little more that there's actual chemistry between them at that point and that they do really care about each other um, which in a way that I'm hoping by the time we get to book four, we'll feel like, okay, there is something believable to be sad about them not being together anymore, as opposed to, I could not care less in, yeah. in the book version. It's, it's one of those places where they could, I feel like they're going to hit things. this. I feel like they're going to hit this area in season two. Like, I feel like they're going to hit tier, um, in season two, honestly, they'll, they'll just combine books two and three. Maybe yeah. you think I, I, could, I feel like, I could I feel like book three, uh, actually, it's been so long since we've discussed book three. I don't remember the goings on, but I feel like tier is like to me the next giant part of the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they'd have to rush through the Shanchan invasion, mm-hmm. but they could, but they could combine oh, it in true, some that's way. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, the Shanchan invasion. But they did, they did spoil or not spoil it. Uh, hinted that in the very last episode, right? They had that scene where they had the Damani and stuff on the yeah. ship. So maybe they'll just get right into that and then. And you could uh, you could theoretically rewrite it entirely to where the one group is heading to um, right. our Detoman head while Rand is heading to Tyr, right. um, which would take away that sense of everybody converging at that Do- at Detoman head. But because you could, we basically get there's the big revelation at the end of book two when he fights Balsamon in the sky. Uh, and a lot of people proclaim him the Dragon Reborn. And then the same thing happens at the end of Dragon Reborn and Tyr, right? And he fights Balsamon then people proclaim proclaim them um yeah. anyway so they could fold those together i don't know uh, how far they're gonna go with all the other books though because they pulled so much from like future books into season one so i don't know how many yeah like where the, how many books forward they're gonna go that we're gonna end up getting spoiled for things but by the time the show comes out which could be probably will be like next year 
I mean, if we stay on track, maybe we'll catch up. <laughs> yeah, although it's been this was this was like the time last year the first season aired, right? So it has been I think so, yeah. been a really slow development. Well, I think I think probably because they dumped all their money into Rings of Power. So <laughs> this was probably got a backseat. 